You're now tuned into the Fully Booked Podcast with Mace, French and Pox. Enjoy the listen. Where to go? Tell me where to go. Nine again, as I said, the, the chapters are quite small, so we're, we're moving quite f- quickly through them. But we're on part nine do it for love. When a man gives his true gift of sex to his women, to his women, to his woman, he penetrates and blooms her beyond all limits into love. It is the same with the world to bloom women, to bloom women, women, and world for real takes authenticity, persistence, and courage of heart. And that's was page 32. Do you think you can give as much effort to your sex life as you do for your offering your gift or purpose to the world? Yeah, there's 24 hours in a day. I mean, like, I, 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 <laughs> I honestly couldn't be... Like, oh, so I, I say I live on the edge, all right? I, there's no way I can think about my purpose. In fact, I do think about it a lot. In fact, that'd be interesting to... Not calculate, but interesting to calculate how often I think about my purpose, which is a lot of hours during the day, right? But there's no way, there's 24 hours in the day, you divide, I mean, you divide your time equally. Obviously, I was just even saying earlier that I'm a stickler for time. I, I don't want to say I'm that organised, but, I, you know, I understand there are priorities. So, like, for example, you may wake up in the morning and let's say you go to work, you know, mm. and then once work is finished, now it's kind of like your social time, your downtime. I don't want to say downtime by way of your partner, but I think you understand what I'm talking about. You prioritise and they say split your day. Nine to five would be work. And then after that, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here loved up. You know, I'm working on my relationship. You know, we're building, you know? <laughs> we're building. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, similar. I mean, P went about in a roundabout in an odd way, but similar to, what, <laughs> to, <say the> least. <laughs> similar to what P said. It's just regardless of whether you've got you've got some, even like people like, was it French, was it? Bill Gates, you said you watched a documentary on where he'd take a week off and just read all week and go away to, yeah. Yeah. to a safe haven or a place yeah. just to read. So every, like, you need a, if you're working on something, you can't be productive at all hours of the day, all days of the week, all weeks of the month, all months of the year. You need, you need a release and escapism to come back refreshed. And whether that, that refreshment or sense of escape is in the bedroom, then so be it. You can give all your effort, all your physical and sensual energy in the bedroom and come back have that release and come back with a with a new mindset, refresh, you know? Um, yeah, almost um, reset and go back to your task. So, yeah, I think you can. Cool. I couldn't say it better, to be fair. And just to, to round it up and with agreement of, of what you both said and what he says as well, is the other way is to fuck both the smithereens, to ravish them with your love unsheathed, to give your true gifts despite the constant tussle of women and world. And that's on page 33. I agree. Be committed to both, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, part 10. Enjoy your friend's criticism. Yeah. Your close men friends should be willing to change your mediocrity by suggesting a concrete action you can perform that will pop you out of your rut one way or the other. And that's on page 36. Do you think us men are mentally strong enough to take fair, honest criticism from one another, and is it something you practice? It's not, you know, it's not something. In, do you, when you say 
Do you mean dishing it out or, or asking for that? What do you mean? Uh, both. So yeah. receiving, receiving and giving. Pause. Yeah, okay. Um, I think the older I've got, the more... Why is it... <laughs> I, I don't feel it catch. So I caught it straight away, but I try not to laugh. Okay. Yeah. Um the older the older I get, the more I'm in fact, yeah, the more I'm I'm happy to to take on people's because I know take on take on people's I won't even call it criticism, but opinions for what might make me better or stronger. Like I, I think when I was younger, maybe it would have it would have more struck the heart more, struck my emotional cord more. I'm talking about now, though, as now. Yeah, that's as, what I'm saying. As, so, as now, so now, so yeah. now, I'm definitely, I'm more, I'm definitely open to that. I, I don't, like, I don't mind. In terms of me distributing or dish now, I don't, I don't think I regularly do. If I'm honest, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, like, I won't. I'm put it. Yeah, I just won't get on the phone to someone and be like, "Yo, why have you not done this?" Or why have you not? Do you know, I, yeah, I won't do. Nah, that. I wouldn't be like that. Yeah. But it'll be the same way we converse. Like we we have conversation weekly. Yeah, and if. If one of us or any one of us is saying the same thing consistently over week over week and there's no changes, then I would hope we as a as a unit, as a team, as a as a friendship, as a core group, would be able to say, I um if you're saying this, do this then. Like, yeah, yeah, we're yeah, gonna yeah, challenge yeah. you and be like, all right, cool, stop bullshitting. If you're saying this what it is, either you do it or just don't talk about it then. Yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. that's 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 what I think it's referring to in her, having that kind of pair group or a circle that can that can pull like pull your card at any moment. Like, all right, cool. Yeah. Like we you saying about that. The same way we do anyway, realistically. We don't I don't think we do it as much as maybe we should, but we've definitely in the past or I mean even up till now we still do it, but maybe not as aggressively as what is suggested in the book per se. But I definitely believe we would or we do question each other in regards to any endeavors that we may be doing or having. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's what, that's that's where the 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 question is based around. Mm-hmm. What about you, P? Do you think I'll ask the question again just to give you a chance to think about it? Do you think us men are mentally strong enough to take fair, honest criticism? On one another, and is it something that you practice? Um, yeah, I think with maturity, um, yeah, I think with maturity, I think you you, you begin to develop. Uh, yeah, I think you de- you begin to develop like um, I don't know, I don't want to say the ability to to take that type of criticism. Sometimes you can take it to heart, but I think more <coughs> you know if it's come from a good friendship group, then I think you understand it's it's come from a good place. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess that would be my answer, really. Um, yeah, and you say do I have the friendships group to to there's like two there's like an A and B question or two questions in one. No, I say yeah. Is it something that you practice? Yeah, I like to believe I practice it. Yes. Um, also, yeah, practice and developing it if that makes any sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. All right, part eleven. If you don't know your purpose, discover it now. The superior man is not seeking for fulfillment through work and women because he is already full. For him, work and intimacy are opportunities to give his gift and be vanished in the bliss of giving. And that's from page 38. 
And I'm going to move on because I didn't put any questions down. Is there any notes that you, either one of you wanted to mention? Not on that one, no. Pete? No, I was going to laugh or something. Um, I'll share anyway. Actually, no, I don't want to do that. Go on, I said it, man. So I was going to say, um, my gift, You so you talking about intimacy and your gift? Yeah, for him, work and intimacy are opportunities to give his gift and be vanished in the bliss of the giving. No, I was gonna there's say, poetic sentences there. No, I was going to say something funny. I mean, sometimes my gift has almost you know, cost me my intimacy. But I mean, like, just... <laughs> anyway, that's another one. I am preaching, Brother Andrew. Anyway, that's a conversation for another day. All right, part 12, be willing to change everything in your life. A man must be prepared to give 100% to his purpose, fulfill his karma or dissolve it, and let, that, and let go of that specific form of living. He must be capable of, knowing what to, of, of not knowing what to do with his life, entering the period of unknowingness and waiting for a vision or a new form of purpose to emerge. Mm -hmm. These circles of strong specific action followed by, oh, oh riots of not knowing what the hell is going on are natural for a man who is shedding layers of karma in his relaxation into truth. And that's on page 39. Would you be willing to flip your life 180 from where you are now in order to be living at your edge or your purpose? And what would it look like to do so? Good question. Um, th that question's into two parts. I think the, the second part for me is, I don't 100% know what that would look like. The first part is a yes, actually, that I would, that I would be. But, and back to the book, that would have to involve a partner. So it wouldn't cool. flip my edge, flip, flip, to, flip 180, and then actually that means without my partner, because I'm in a position now where actually my partner's inclusive in the plans. So you said it would be without your partner, with your partner? No, with. Okay, cool. Um, okay, and myself, um, I don't know, I think I'm living in, I mean, I don't know if your question involved the word edge, but I feel I'm living on the edge very closely. Yeah. Edge. As to, I mean, I was I doing air quotes. I mean, back and forth, living in Barcelona. I've recently gone to Ghana for the first time, like in 20 years. I can quite comfortably see me going there back and forth, living there, living here, living in Barcelona. Like, that's, well, I think my life is on, on a 180 already. I don't know how much more degrees I need to go. Cool. No, no, that's, bro, it could be 10 degrees, it could be 90. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah, whereas, that's cool. yeah, whereas um, I'm trying to think back to, I don't know, 2000 and I think it was 18, like, yeah, that was, yeah, I mean, back then when I started making those decisions, that would have been definitely considered a 180. I mean, if I draw contrast or comparison from then and now as to making like my first decision to like work towards moving to Barcelona and, and stuff like that, the um, the degrees in motion has been... Yeah, quite wide, really. Cool. Uh, moving on, on to the next page, on page 40. As you dissolve each layer and move towards the centre, you will more and more be living from your deeper purposes and then your deepest heart purpose, wherever that is in every moment. However, you probably are not living your deepest purpose yet. You probably need to burn off the karma or fulfil the need or to present the purpose by which you are fascinated and distracted. Do you think you'll ever get to total fulfillment of your purpose? I really believe so. 
fulfillment or achievement. So I don't know if, if that means the same thing. Fulfillment. Um, yeah, I think it's almost the same thing with me. I, 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 I think he's... He, So, yeah, I think for me, if, if we're going back to the point I raised about my biggest fear at the moment is being stagnant in the same position as in 20 years, I don't even think that's a possibility that I'll, that I will be stagnant, if that makes sense. Or if I, mm. that I won't be able to strive, whether that's striving in a, in a way of being more financially free or striving in a way of discovering a, a purpose which overtakes everything that, that has meaning. But I, there's no, I, I'm 99.999% sure that in five year, in five to ten years, I'll be doing this exact same thing in exact same place and exact same position. So, do you think you'll get total total fulfillment from your purpose? Um, what do I? I I think for me, one of the key things, and this is not my main, might not be my main purpose or or, or fulfillment mission, but one of the main things is just to is to be a bit more, is to have more freedom. That makes sense not to be tied down and restrained and constrained so much so whether that'll give me it will give me a sense of fulfillment but i still believe that there's a greater a greater purpose than that for me but yes that will give me a sense of fulfillment for sure cool each purpose each mission is meant to be fully lived to the point where it becomes empty boring and useless then mm. it should be discarded this is a sign of growth but you may mistake it for a, a sign of failure and that again is on page 40. Moving on to part 13, don't use your family as an excuse. Mm -hmm. Don't use your family as an excuse to be less than you can be. With birth control so readily available, children are a choice. If you choose to be a householder and raise children, you're responsible for serving them with as much authentic love as possible, which you can only give if your life is aligned with your deepest purpose. And that's on page 47. So do you mind if I just jump in there? Remember, remember I was the just going to ask. Remember the lack of focus, but anyway. <laughs> is having a family a genuine excuse for not living your purpose or an accepted reason? I'm not even accepting that as an excuse. I don't even like the word excuse. That's the reason you didn't do it. No, I, don't, I hate that word excuse. I know, in fact, what I use, I use the word I use, when I, when I haven't done nothing, I go, you were lazy. You were lazy and you chose not to do it. Don't, make, don't, don't throw this excuse, oh, something came up. I don't believe that crap. I, I'm, I'm not hard on myself. So I've got to look at my, so my to-do list later on. Over the past couple of days, actually, my head's been a bit, not haywire, but there's things that I feel that are important, but I keep forgetting because I haven't wrote them down. Making excuses why I haven't got them done. Wrote them down. I ain't got time for this nonsense. Tomorrow I'm going to deal with all these things. Yeah, there was, yeah, I don't believe in excuses. That's, that's a bum's excuse. Sorry to be so like, I think, yeah, I, I'm not, I don't even tolerate in that. There's not enough... I, like people, people laugh actually. Um, someone laughed. I said I was um, vegetarian to someone recently. I'm vegetarian, and went to. I said, "Yeah, bro. So I'm dealing with margins here. I'm trying to be here at seventy and eighty and ninety. I got shit to do. <laughs> yeah, I got shit to do. A, I thought it was a better way of living, but I'm trying to be here. I've kind of gone off track a little bit, but like these That's are the margins. These are the margins I'm dealing with. Anyway. Well, I've forgotten the oh okay family yeah sorry is having a family a genuine excuse for not living your purpose or an accepted reason it's not an excuse but I think it can be an accepted reason and the reason I haven't got kids isn't it 
sorry, it, I haven't got kids, but I I see members of my family with kids and it's not, kids are not struggle, but it, the time, it's the time thing. Like, it's the time thing. And people, don't get, don't get it twisted. People really like still do amazing things and they've had, they've got or had kids whilst they've been doing that. But it's, yeah, I, I, I do, I can see why if you have a family, you would, it would, it would, it would prevent, it can prevent you from fulfilling your, your, your purpose or goal. I, see, I, I, I don't want anyone to be offended listening to this who's got a family and um, I want to say to an extent also using it. I don't see why you can't do both or you can't be inspired by your kids that go, that takes you to that, to that another point. level. To I don't get it. A lot of people, point. a lot of people who, uh, who I aspire to, who, who inspire me or I aspire to be like, they got kids. In fact, funny enough, I saw one the other day posting his children on, his child on, on Instagram and, oh, my God, funny enough, they, they, they drew comparison of, like, two successful moments, like, mm. 10 years apart with his kid. I don't want to hear no excuses. Excuses mean nothing to me. That's the reason you didn't do it. It's the reason why you decided not to get up off your, off your couch or get out of bed. That's uh, just, as simple as. Just, just to round it up on, on that part, don't cheat your family or your fullest court. And don't use them as an excuse to avoid the work it will take to manifest your highest vision. You can give love to your family and engage in your life's work. If you discipline yourself to act on your deepest desires with priority, then when you're with your family, you're with them totally. Since there is no chronically unfinished business in your life to distract you and no inner amb ambiguity about where you want to be or what you really want to be doing. And that's from page 47. Just I think... Your point is very good. You know why? Because it made me think of the film, which I know is a fictional film, The Pursuit of Happiness. Mm. If anyone's seen that film. No, good film. Good film. Yeah, yeah. The thing I wanted to add, and I don't want to go too long, because I'm getting, um, as I said, my emotions are getting heightened, you know what I mean? So, like, I mm. um, um, almost forgot what I was going to say. Like, having children is a blessing, you know what I mean? A, a, a real blessing. And I think sometimes people forget that, just through maybe some of the circumstances they have children in. Um, but that's the thing, though, Pete. That it, I get what you're saying, and I, I agree. But at, at the same time, do you not think that then your your perspective is because of the mindset you now have, whereas ten, maybe eight, five, yeah, even five, six, seven years ago, it may not have been as strong. It may have been heading towards that, but then a lot of our peers was having kids six, seven, eight, ten years ago, and their their mindset may have not been able to comprehend, okay, it's a blessing. Like, yeah, obviously, we all say our child's a blessing, a child's a blessing. But to be able to use that blessing and say, all right, I'm going to be inspired by this blessing to pursue my purpose. And they then it becomes a situation where they're just, as going back to what Mace was saying, they become that hamster in the wheel and they're just trying to chase their tail and they almost forget about their purpose and they're just trying to keep their head above water and um, make sure that they're raised, their kids are raised with, with clothes fed and watered and all that. I'm going to give two examples of women. There are plenty more. All right, there's... Um, I forget that runner. Her, her name's something Felix or Felix something. I forget... Um, anyway, I forget her name anyway. Very, very prominent runner. I think she was dropped by Nike for um, getting pregnant and having a baby. Um, and then she come back and just and became world champion again. 
That's just one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll try to find the name at the same time. No, it's fine. It's fine because I'm. I'll probably remember it to be fine. I do, I do, yeah. But go on. Um, uh, Alison Felix. That's her name. Like she yeah. was. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. Like world champion prior to getting pregnant. Multiple, mm. I think Olympics, all the gold medals, a lot. Um, had a, um, got pregnant, got dropped by Nike, had the baby, went on to be world champion again, etc., etc. And then there's Serena Williams. I mean, you're talking about arguably one of the greatest tennis players of all time. I mean, had a baby. Anyway, dispute more. Possibly one of the greatest tennis players of all time, male or female, um, has had a baby and has come back and has gone on to, I don't think she's won a, a championship, uh, a Grand Slam since, but has gone to multiple finals. That's just two, and that, and they're women. Not that it makes it different, but I mean, more often than not, I mean, they the one, they're the ones who had the baby. Mm. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to make no excuses. It's just uh, again, I'm just referring back to the mindset. I think that's that's important thing to consider and realize that not everyone may not be on that journey of of self mastery and self discovery and self development and self improvement. Very true. I'm going to bring myself down in just a moment, but like as to those two examples, as to women, they've mm. been pregnant, given birth. They've obviously had to raise the child. I'm not saying they haven't had any support. I'm talking about breastfeeding, raising a child, etc., etc., etc. Get themselves back in shape, and then go compete. Physically compete, not going behind a desk. Physically compete. That is incredible. Like I'm talking about the levels of discipline there are ridiculous. Mm. No, absolutely. There's not. There's no dispute in that. Definitely, there's there's no dispute in that. Like they they're commended and we applaud them. Do you know what I mean? From both sides of of the gender, no doubt about that. But uh, before we get lost in in uh, another topic, let's let's keep it pushing. So part fourteen: Don't get lost in tasks and duties. This. This do mode is one of men's biggest strengths and excuses and weaknesses. It's great to be able to pull through obstructions and get the job done. It's good, to keep, it's good to keep yourself disciplined and on purpose. But if you forget your larger purpose while pursuing a small endless task of daily life, then you've reduced yourself to a machine of picayune. Even now, as you read this, you may be in a do mode, totally enclosed, endorsed or enclosed in the process of reading, page 49. Um, as It was funny, as I read that, I was in a, a do mode as I was um, reading that part of the book and making notes down. So that was um, that was quite funny to read, actually. Um, but yeah, as, as I was, as I did, I guess, notice it as, as I was reading, I did take, I, wrote, I actually noted this down. I said, take notice of the present moment to be awe in all that you do. Move with intentional purpose from brushing your teeth to eating a snack. Now, can live can living with a constant presence and intention become exhausting? Um, yeah, because I, I think, sorry, P, I think it can because sometimes you end up being overly hard on yourself. That's what I think. When you have, when you have a like, like a constant, the moment, the moment you take five minutes off, five ten minutes off or away from that subject, or you browse the internet, and if you've got this this kind of constant purpose, you, constant intention, intentional purpose that you should be doing something, you can be you can it could be over, you can be too hard on yourself sometimes, and it can lead to things like burnout or 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 when you're if you're um 
yeah, like burnout because essentially you're taking on too much. You're essentially giving you're setting targets that are unrealistic, unachievable. And you're being and you could be hard on yourself. That's what I think. Um, actually, um, I actually agree with that, but I mean, I actually didn't even look at it from that point of view. I just looked at it from a point of view of um, being actually quite chilled and actually enjoying whatever it is you're enjoying. And I kind of took myself back to when I when I when, oh when I travelled or even when I was in Ghana actually. And I got a habit of doing this when I go away for longer than I don't know, let's say two three weeks. Sometimes I start looking at the finishing like the finishing line rather than um, living in the present, you know. And it takes me a week or so to begin really I mean I'm living in the present all the time obviously but it takes me a week or two to forget the finish line and actually just enjoy what you're currently doing at this moment in time and then once you do that you become really chilled just just from my experience you know what I mean and, and, and sometimes that takes time to I don't know develop understand appreciate a lot you know but again obviously to to Mason's point I think when you've got a purpose you can be quite you know I don't know, foot on the gas quite, I don't know, quite often. But again, um, you may need to to work at that, work at that point, you know, 100% or live, or live on the edge in order to get those things done. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes you just understand the need to to, to complete things. Let me just touch on this point. But I understand what you said as well. So to answer the question, can living with constant presence and intention become exhausting to you? Um, I'm, I'm just going to say, I'm going to say no. Um, no, but I understand the argument against, but I'm going to say no. Cool. No, that's all right. Now, he goes on further on down the page and he asks a series of questions. I don't know if you answered them whilst reading or you may want to answer them now. Mm. It says, have you loved fully? Do you have unexpressed feelings that would taint your last moment with regret? Do you, consist- do you consistently relax into the awe of immense mystery? Are you absorbed in your work and projects that you no longer feel the miracle of existence, each moment emerging from and dissolving into the great unknowable? Has your task edition built blinders that the limit that limit the vastness of your vision even now? Did you answer any of those questions? Did it spark any thought as you were reading it? Um, no. Um, so I recall two of the questions. Um, have I loved fully? I don't think so. Um, have do I? Do you want me to read it out? Do you want me to read it out again? Okay, I'll hopefully answer them quite quickly. Oh, yeah. So you can ask them as, as I go on, just on a quick fire thing. Mm-hmm. Have you loved fully? No. Yes. Do you have unexpressed feelings that would take your last moment with regret? I don't get that. I don't understand that question. Do you have feelings that would taint your last moment with regret? Unexpressed. So, all right, so I get the way, the way I'm picturing it in my head is that um, you've, you've got you're either, I guess, at work or something. This is just an example. Just stick with me. You're an example and you've got a work colleague and you've fallen in love with them and you haven't expressed it. And uh, something's going to happen and you're going to die or they're going to die, but it's un, it's an unexpressed feeling. So if that's that would oh, okay. be a last moment of regret, I would say. That's just okay. a very simple explanation of, of that. I, I, I have... I have um... Do you have unexpressed feelings for someone at work? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have had these moments in the past where I thought, and at that present time, it might have been an unexpressed feeling, but they've passed. If that makes sense. So actually, if I died tomorrow, it wouldn't 
it it's not something that would, would have burdened me in my death and been like, why didn't I just do that or say that? Because yeah. my past is no longer a burden or, or it's no longer an unexpressed. Does that make sense? So yeah, t- yeah. I've had yeah, 10 yeah. unexpressed feelings. I, I get what you mean. I yeah. get what you mean. But if I was to die tomorrow, there's nothing that I'd be like, shit, why didn't I do this or say that? Or Yeah. Yeah, I, I, if everything makes sense. Easy way out, boy. No, I agree. That is easy. That's a cop out still. But all right, cool. We'll move on. Do you consistently relax into the awe of immense mystery? No. I don't. I don't think. I don't think I understood that. Um, but I don't think so. Do you constantly relax into the awe of immense mystery? So again, my my meaning or my interpretation of that is, I guess living in a, in the moment or the unknown. I was like, going to say, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes when you're... Some, occasionally. Okay. Occasionally. Are you... I think that's so, a good thing, but anyway. Are you so absorbed in your work and projects that you no longer feel that the miracle of existence, each moment emerging from and dissolving into the great unknowable? Um, sometimes they, I think they roll in... They can roll into one. Um, but I'm very aware. I think sometimes there's, let's say, breakthrough moments, you know, as to you can see something different. Okay, so a good example would be is I I think I did a page on my, my website, I think, the other day, and I think I looked at it with a completely different view and lens, I think, the following day, if that makes any sense. And I, and I was able to take something off my to-do list, you know, and I just felt different about what I was doing. I don't know. Yeah, so, cool. yeah, yeah, that would be my answer. Okay, I mean, Mace? I didn't get the question, so... Are you so absorbed in your work and projects that you no longer feel the miracle of existence, each moment emerging from and dissolving into the great unknowable? That I no longer feel the miracle of existence, that I no longer feel the miracle... Um, No, but I have been in the past. I have actually... I've actually have had that (laughs) where I've been working on something... And I think I've used the example before because there was a show that used to come on TV called Heroes. And it was a guy who would almost, his eyes would roll back when he's painting. And I've, I've been in that moment. My eyes haven't rolled back, but I've been there where it's just like, there's nothing. It's like- You're so engrossed in your work. Yeah, I've just zoomed out and it's just me and it, me and this thing that I'm working on. And there's nothing else, there's nothing else around. I've been- Cool. Has your task addiction built blinders that limit the vastness of your vision even now? Um, yes and no, but I, I, I'll say no because um, I've, you know, I've painted my canvas as to what it looks like at the very end. You know, so yeah, I, I, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm blindsided by what's going on. I think I think uh, not to give ourselves pats on the back. So I'm, I'm not really a pat on my own self on the back kind of person, but I would believe um, everyone here, like us here, is uh, quite self-aware or has self-awareness if that was pertaining to having blinders or task blinders, should I say. So, yeah, I think, I don't, I don't think um, that would limit anyone's vastness or vision at the moment. On page 50, he goes on to say, whereas many women waste precious time swirling in emotional currents and eddies, many men waste their births seeking the completion of tasks. Further, furthermore, 
Rather raise your eyes, see the horizon, and do your tasks in the spirit of sweeping out your house on a Sunday day. And that's on page 50. Any Anyone want to add anything before I step to the next part? No. The no. so part 15, stop hoping for women to get easier. And this is on page 52. The most erotic moment for a woman is feeling that you are Shiva. Do you know Do you know about Shiva? And oh, I forgot the other term. Shit. No, I'm going to mess it up, so I'm not even going to say it. All right, so let me finish the sentence. The most erotic moment for a woman is feeling that you are Shiva, the divine masculine, unpurchasable, unpurchasable, Unperturbable, totally loving, fully present, and all pervading. She cannot move you because you are already what you are with with or without her. She cannot scare you away because you are already you are already you are you already penetrate her in fairness, fearless love, pervading her heart and body. She cannot distract you because you are, because your one pointed commitment to truth will not bend to her wills. And that's on page 52. And how do you maintain your stance if you do when being tested by your partner? Um, maintain my stance. Being tested by my partner. I think you have to, like, honestly, I just think you have to. And it, if you know, sorry, sometimes there's times where you know you have to, giving's the wrong word, but there has to be a sense of... Um, compromise? Say again? Compromise, you're thinking? That's the word I was looking for earlier as well. There has to be a sense of compromise, essentially. But if you know you're, you're in the right, deep down, and you know you're in the right, then you just, it's not. Yeah, you just stand your ground. You just say, no, no. And if that means actually you both, um, you both um, agree to disagree, but you don't say it as nicely and rationally as that, you just you know, you just have a little bit of time to yourself, then so be it. I don't think it's, it's difficult. I mean... You say that it's not difficult, but yeah. a, lot of men, a lot of men will buckle under the pressure and just be like, no, oh, no, no, no. no, 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 no. There's a degree of compromise when needed, in, with me anyway. I can't speak for many other men. If there's, if there's compromise required, if I know actually, from your point of view, I can see what you're saying, or if I know that actually compromising is, is, is the easy and it's not going to... It's not gonna, it's not gonna um, plague me in terms of where my morals are, then that's fine. But if there's something I know I'm right on, or I know that no, this is the only way it can go, then I'm not gonna I'm not gonna budge. And then you we you then it literally a lot of the time or some of the time it's gonna be actually there's no compromise reach. Agree to disagree, and it might be a case that you just you just don't you don't you just don't you end up not talking for 10, 15 minutes, wherever it is. So I don't yeah, it's not about giving in like if. There's something you truly believe in, or you think you're right. You think your partner's wrong. You, yeah. For me, it's, you hear about your partner, but then if you if you know what you're explaining is correct, that's it. I'm not. I'm. I'm very. To be fair, I'm very. Um, I'm not very um, stu- stubborn and stern-headed. Like I will take on opinions and thoughts and stuff. So that's why for me, to me, I think I'm a reasonable person. And because of that, if I really truly believe in something that I that I think is right. Um, then I'm going to stick by because I know I'm more likely in other areas to be more reasonable. I'm not someone that if you give me, if you present, if you present me with or a reason for what you believe, and actually I hadn't thought about that to reach that conclusion that you've come to, I, I will more than likely, I will, um, I'm more than willing to to take that on board. So yeah, 
it's to me it's not hard especially if you're someone who's of who's like a reason uh, who's quite a reasonable person in that sense yeah um i think he that was a great response you know i've got nothing to add to that it's cocking out, man. No, it's not cocking. I think it's a, it's a great answer. You know, I think if it doesn't impede on my my morals or what I want to do and like on the subject of purpose, you know, more often than not, I think I'm quite easy. You know, as to I'm happy to compromise. But in particular, if it's what you really want. All right. So in regards to testing, he goes on to oh. say it ne- it never ends. This is the secret. You can't get out of it. Find a dif- finding a different woman. Women, women, finding a different woman won't get you out of it. Therapy won't get you out of it. Financial or sexual mastery won't get you out of it. Mm. Your woman is testing you because she loves you. She wants to feel your truth. She wants to feel your love. She wants to feel your truth and live and life are stronger than the barbs that she can throw at you. Then she can relax and surrender into the polarity of man and woman. Then she can trust you. The most loving woman women are the women who will test you the most and that's on page 54 now what's the difference between when the testing becomes an assistance or a hindrance um sorry sorry Pops. if it becomes a if it comes if it becomes a hindrance then it will it might grate on you and play on you and actually it begin to it can begin to Claw away at your manhood, so to speak, or your, your self-confidence. Claw away at, like, you believing in what you believe in, per, per se. If actually what there's, if something, if, if actually what a woman's saying to you might, might sound harsh at first, or if it's tough love, or if it's, if it's similar to what we said about, like, constructive criticism, which is going to help you to be a better person, yeah, that is absolutely fine. Um, sorry, and you said, what's the, what do you say, what's the difference? What? Yeah, between an assistance, but between the testing becoming an assistance or yeah, an that's yeah. The, to me that's that's essentially the difference. If and if if the testing is actually to prod you to provoke, exactly she knows you're better than what you you can be better than what you are. Absolutely fine, and and she's doing it in a way to prod or to to prod or provoke you because she knows there's another level to you. Perfect, because actually you'll appreciate that at the end, and that there's. Well, one, but- there's women that gone. I was going to say, what about when she's subconscious, subconsciously testing you without knowing that it's a challenge for you to overcome? She's just doing it because that's her nature as a woman. Yeah, that's a different scenario. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Pete, in regards to the original question? Um, as to, I think, what you just said, her, her subconsciously um, testing you, I think yeah. you've got... Uh, like you gotta pull that out. I mean, because I think that's only gonna grate on you, and, and that's not to your benefit. That's to your detriment. Um, yeah. So that's that's not gonna benefit you in any way, shape, or form. But as to, I think it was the first part of the question. Um, I forget what it was specifically, but I was thinking about. What's it. the difference between when the testing becomes an assistance or a hindrance? Yeah. So I think as to the the testing, I think if someone's allowing you to kind of like. Although she's questioning you, but if it's allowing you to actually question yourself as well, but from a positive point of view as to growing, I think that's that's I think that's that's good and that's fantastic. But as to as I was just saying saying momentarily, as to subconsciously, let's say testing me but in a negative way, those are things that are gonna that I think you need to kind of pull up because these are your trigger, these are things that trigger you. 
Yeah. And I don't need to be true. Like, no one, not, not even I, forget me, but nobody needs to be triggered, particularly in your own home, your loving home. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree with you. My, to be fair, my missus does it as well. Like when I say that, but like not even provoking way, but test me because she knows that there's, um, especially in like the field I work in as well. Um, she knows that I can. I don't even know how to put it. There's more that you can give. Yeah, that like I should. How do I put it? Ah. Uh, Obviously, because she's around me, she knows exactly. She knows exactly what I'm capable of, and sometimes mm. it might be that it doesn't always come across like that in my day to day work. If that if that even makes any sense, so she'll test me in that way, but not in a way where she's like digging at me. It's in a way that like, no, nah, I know you got this, and this is me showing you. I know you got this because I'm the poking at it. I don't even know if that makes sense, but essentially that. So, yeah. Tell me what you love.